And we are back for another episode of the Ads and Dunks podcast, as always, exclusively brought to you by the Oz American Aces. I'm your host here in freezing cold Melbourne, Adzi, of course, and of course, across via Zoom, as always, Joshy, my best mate. How are you going, mate? I'm good, thanks, mate. Not as cold up here, but uh, cold enough for the jumper. I'm getting a bit soft now, mate. I'm a Queenslander <laughs> and it's wintertime. It's still 20, 22 degrees and I've got a jumper on. So uh, all going well, though, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I um, I feel like if you, you when you do come to Melbourne, you're going to be extra cold now because I, we were just saying off air that you know the last four to five episodes, I've um, I've been pumping the heater, but I've just recently got my uh, my gas bill, and uh, yeah, let's let's be fair to say for the next quarter of the year, I will not be pumping the gas because the heater was uh, the bill was ridiculous. <laughs> but um, but other than that, I'm going really well. It's um, it's a uh, another huge episode for us. Um, we obviously review each other's games, but. Uh, it was another big round for you. Obviously, the Q clash. We've got plenty happening on, in the NBA. Obviously, I'm not playing, but our boys, well, my boys are flying at the moment. So um, we've got plenty to talk about. But as always, we'll start with um, obviously your game on the weekend. Uh, it was uh, your first Q, Q clash that you've been a part of, as I've just touched on. Um, I know last week we spoke about, you know, what oh, I guess the feeling, what the feeling was going to be like and, and how you were going to obviously perceive it. And I, I definitely spoke about how. Um, it's probably the best both teams have been placed against each other, coming up against each other in a Q clash. And um, it definitely looked like that, um, you know, for the first three quarters. And then obviously the last quarter, you guys were able to run away with it quite a bit. So um, how did you feel more importantly? And, and what do you think, again, as your own game? I know you'd be humble, but what do you think of, what do you think of your own game? Yeah, it's a good one to start off with, mate. It was, you know, we talked about last week, the rivalry and stuff. I actually probably learned that, the boys don't really like each other. So it was um, out on the ground, you know, there was a bit of tongue in cheek and everyone was throwing a bit of lip around, but it was a, it was a good one to be a part of. As you touched on, they were obviously very good in the first three quarters. And uh, it was a game where we just had to continue to, you know, um, do the things we were doing. Cause I felt like it was a bit of an arm wrestle and we probably weren't converting and then they would go up there and convert. So they're a different, they play a different brand. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing how they go this week against, against you, you guys. And, um, up north, I think it is in Darwin. So, yeah, they're very contested, obviously, led by Rowley and, and uh, Anderson in there. And um, even Dick Witsy's an in- incredible ruckman. So, they've got some players all over the ground that can really take it up to some good teams. And like I said, I'm really looking forward to watching the matchup this week of yours. But, um, yeah, it was nice to be able to run away in the end in that last quarter and kick a few goals. I had a shot where I uh, had a set shot 45 metres out, I reckon, on the angle. And I was like, geez, I hope this goes through. And <laughs> <laughs> it was touched on the line, but um, yeah, it's pretty funny. It's just everyone knows about it now. It's just everyone's trying to get me a goal, but in the last quarter, I try to sneak down and take a bite, but couldn't, mate. So it was a bit frustrating from that point of view, but uh, individually, yeah, I thought it was a, one of my better games for the year. Um, obviously not being able to hit the scoreboard, but my pressure and stuff was was really good and uh, yeah, look forward to obviously continuing to improve, mate. As always, we have that growth mindset, the both of us and as we tell our listeners to uh, continue to look to improve in many different ways. So it was a nice weekend. Um, I got to, got to watch a bit of your game uh, or the Doggies game too. You obviously weren't playing, but it was a pretty interesting viewing. How do you see that one? Yeah, well, obviously, I definitely agree. Firstly, with what you were saying with the, um, you know, with the respect to the Suns midfielders and Noah Anderson and um, mm. Matty Rowell in particular, I think they complement each other quite a bit and Witsy's, Contest the ball game is as good as anybody. Um, so yeah, definitely look like that combative nature, and then the fact you're able mm-hmm. to run away with it. But 
I just want to touch on this goal again. I just I just don't know what uh, your teammates are doing. I don't know what your midfielders are doing, whether they're just trying to not give you the footy. Um, you know, I feel like we've got to butter them up a little bit and maybe I should or maybe we could send them a present on behalf of the Ads and Dunks podcast and, um, you know, tell them whoever gives you their first goal, gives you your first goal, we'll give them a gift or whatever it may be because I'm just hanging to check that stat sheet just so I can see in that goals column Josh Dunkley, whatever disposals, and then one goal, two goal, whatever it may be. <laughs> yeah, it's. Oh, don't worry, mate. I've got a few uh, <laughs> few things on the line with a couple of the boys. If they get me the first goal, then I might uh, shout them dinner or something later in the week. But there's a lot of things. It's actually funny you talk about it because, you know, the celebration we've been doing, or mm-hmm. we've said that I'm going to do when I keep my first goal. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, we had a few um, kids from a school come into the footy club and even tonight at a, an appearance I had to do um, down at Maine Junior Football Club, they actually said to give them a shout-out. So all the under-13 kids and under-11 kids down at Maine, um, thanks for tonight. But they're all doing this, mate. They're all doing the Ads and Dunks podcast symbol. So I like walked oh, in and they're all like, oh, hey, Dunks, like, how you going? And they're all doing the symbol. Oh, I love that. So the word spreading, mate, it's good. It's good. Maybe when I come back, hopefully, uh, whether it's this week or next week or whenever it is, I can um, I can come up with my own celebration or maybe I should just do the same thing. Mate, maybe. Maybe we should, uh, both of us, every time we kick a goal. Someone actually asked me tonight, what what does Adam do when he kicks a goal? Like, you're obviously going to do this one. What's Adam going to do? <laughs> so maybe you should do the same, mate. What do I normally do? You always use the, uh, you always used to bag me about it. <laughs> yeah, always. You just go try and get head, Try and get a good photo of the pipes, this. even though I don't have any, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm hoping you uh, – I reckon if you kicked the goal this week, I definitely would have felt like you would have been a sneaky chance to win the best on ground medal. I know there was a spread of good um, performers on the on the day. Lockie Neal obviously was exceptional and has been exceptional for, for a large part of the year. But I uh, was, you know, obviously supporting uh, you guys and supporting you and hope, hoping that, um, you know, kick a goal maybe late or maybe a couple that you might actually sneak across the line and win the um, – the best on ground medal, but uh, I think there's a Q class later on this year for you. Well, they they present one every every Brizzy Gold Coast game, right? Yeah, I think so. I think they okay. do. Yeah, or maybe next game this year you can um you next know game. kick a goal there and sneak one in because I was kind of hoping you won it. Nah, thanks, mate. Unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't, but um yeah. it was nice to get the win uh, otherwise. But talk about your game, mate. You're obviously on the sidelines still with your hammy. Um, but how do you see the the game down in Ballarat, you obviously didn't go because uh, it was a bit, bit fresh for you. Yeah, no, I was complaining about the cold here in, in Melbourne itself. Imagine uh, being in Ballarat. It was, um, yeah, although it didn't, the boys were saying it wasn't too windy or it wasn't too cold. It was um, it was actually mm. pretty good conditions considering. But um, no, it was, I believe it was definitely our best four-quarter performance we've had all year. And it's quite pleasing that we were able to do it against the you know, a really good side in Adelaide who have been playing some great footy. Um, I feel like Tex was a big out for them and um, Riley Thilthorpe, uh, if that's how you pronounce it. Um, they had a couple big outs that weren't playing and, and that obviously helped us. But, um, you know, that obviously doesn't matter when the game's playing. So I was very pleased that we were able to play the way we did. I felt like, um, you know, I... Um, you know, I'm very proud about our, our midfield group and how we play and um, it was evident on the weekend that um, we were getting beaten quite a bit around clearance and, you know, when we get beaten around clearance, I feel like, um, you know, we definitely put our backs under pressure and teams can sometimes beat us because our, um, you know, because we're not winning around the footy and 
Um, you know, I think the way we defended post losing clearance was probably the best I've seen as a group, our back seven. So back six and obviously the one off the bench, seven, because people probably listening are like, there's not seven defenders. But anyway, our back yeah. seven were um, were unbelievable. They defended extremely well. I've seen Bont talk up um, Liam Jones, um, you know, just his, uh, the impact that he's had on our group and, you know, how good he is for our other defenders and the confidence that he gives them. Um, I felt like, yeah, I just felt like we defended extremely well and, and the pressure as a midfield group they were actually put on on their opposition mids when they did win the footy because, you know, they are a first-class midfield led by Jordan Dawson, um, was again first-class and that's, you know, led by Bond who brings that pressure week in, week out. Um, you know, Baz has been, you know, unbelievable really since, since uh, well, since he's been back in the side because he missed a couple of weeks and really starting to see his powerful running and, um, you know, the way that he attacks the game and, and really brings his strength. He has that good balance between the inside and the outside, so... Um, yeah, watching, you know, as you could imagine, I, I definitely wanted to be a part of it and want to be out there and playing. But, um, you know, I support as hard as anybody. And um, it was actually quite nice because all the VFL boys, because we didn't have a, um, a VFL game, we all trained on the Saturday and got together and um, had a nice chicken parma down at the railway and um, watched the game and obviously watched the boys win. So it was a nice day. It's um, It's been a good, you know, month of footy for us and, and to have played probably our best game all year. Um, it's pleasing going forward because, again, no easy um, competition and, and we obviously now face the Gold Coast who, who we who we rate um, and regard extremely highly. So looking forward to that up in Darwin. Yeah, I think as I touched on, it's going to be a, a very good battle. Uh, obviously kept a close eye on uh, the Doggies game up in Ballarat because we've got the Crows this week. So it was mm. very interesting to see how, you, uh, how, the, how the boys attacked it and like you touched on, it's an interesting one to actually see the boys or the dogs boys lose that contested ball clearance battle. Mm. Um, but to be, I think it was down, you were down by a fair bit, a half Quite time. A bit, yeah. Actually then to be in front on the scoreboard was, yeah, very impressive. So it was a, yeah, a good one to watch uh, and see how you went about it. Cause I feel like we're going to, we're going to try and take a few things out of that game into this weekend for us. Well, that's been, I think that, you know, that should be, I guess the hallmark of most midfields. I mean, if if you if you're going to get beaten around the ball, which you know you're not going to win every week, it's just the reality. Mm. If you mm. can put pressure on um, opposition teams, and, and in particular Adelaide, as we mentioned, and they've got some quality through there, and you know if maybe force them to dump kick the ball, or maybe force them to overhandle, whatever it may be, it kind of plays into our hands a little bit, and and then definitely helps our defenders. So. Um, to yeah, as as we just said, to lose clearance, which you know we don't usually lose that much. We've got a you know pretty good group in there, and um, we we tend to win clearances most um, most times. To actually lose and and lose you know be losing by a significant amount in that first half, and then actually be able to force them to, I guess, turn the ball over in dangerous spots and and us win it back. It, it you know, shows credit to the mindset of the boys. You know, well we weren't winning. Let's just put pressure on, make sure they don't go inside fifty easy. So. Um, you know, I feel like it's probably the hallmark for most teams and, and how they probably want to go about it because, you know, um, most teams uh, that play, the, the game, you know, in reality is dictated by how the midfield goes. I mean, that's just how most footy clubs are. And, um, you know, lucky enough, we have a, a, an exceptional group in there and, um, you know, the balance we have at the moment is really good. Mm, I'm sure there's a very good feeling around the footy club at the moment. But touch on yourself individually, mate. Um, two weeks into your hammy. How's it? How's it looking? Let all let everyone out there obviously know, you know, little things that you're doing, um, where you're at, things like that. I'm actually feeling really good. I um, I'm always pushing to play, so I felt like I could have played on the weekend. I mean, 
whether I could have, maybe not. But I had a really good session on the Saturday and, um, you know, I felt totally fine, totally normal, no no feeling um, in the area that I actually hurt. So that gives me good peace of mind. But um, you obviously got to factor in, you know, history and age and whatnot and, um, you know, make sure put into place, I guess, a bulletproof program where you can get back and, um, you know, be better and perform and, and not go out. So, yeah, it was a really good week for me to really tick off some speed and, um, you know, join in a couple of drills with the boys and, and I feel like, you know, I'm going to put myself in a good position to hopefully play this week, whether it's, um, you know, as I said earlier, whether it is this week or next week, I'm actually not entirely sure. I have to speak to the to the medical staff and obviously Bevo tomorrow and talk about, you know, the it is a big travel game for us. We're heading up to Darwin, which is, um, you know, quite uh, unique for us because we haven't played in Darwin, I think, in 10 years, I believe. It's been a long time and um, it's obviously quite hot and humid up there and um, extra stress on the body. So we'll have those discussions tomorrow because post Darwin, we play, I think, quite a bit in Melbourne, um, you know, for the for a large part of the year. So um, in terms of being ready, I'll be ready to go either way. So, um, you know me, mate, I'm always pushing to play. So I'll be pushing to try and get out there. Um, in terms of, you know, what I'm what I'm doing, I wouldn't say I'm going above and beyond. I'm, I'm just trying to balance out not doing too much in terms of training. And um, that's always been a hard thing for me because I am an overtrainer. You and I have had some quite uh, funny, heated uh, <laughs> debates about this. Um, uh, yep, about this topic. And the worst thing is uh, we connected Apple Watches whenever we met each other and you could see every time I was doing extra training sessions and you used to laugh at me. So, um, Oh, because a, a session will pop up at 1 a.m. in the morning yeah. when you're, when you're <laughs> watching NFL like or something. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the balance of being able to, um, you know, relax in that aspect and like just let my body heal and, and get to a position where I can train and um, and I felt like I've done that in the last two weeks. I, um, I've done exactly what the physios have wanted me to do. You know, I go, you know, I've done extra, extra sauna sessions throughout the week because I thoroughly believe in infrared sauna and um, the way it helps with blood flow around the body and um, not only does it help with healing, but also feel like it helps with good sleep um, quality and balance. So I've spent quite a bit of time this past couple of weeks um, in the sauna and um, you've got those really nice Normatec recovery boots, which I've had on pretty much every day. So um, yeah, whether or not they're little one percenters that have helped me, um, I'll, I'll take it. But, um, you know, I am feeling really good. So uh, to answer your question on whether I'll be playing, actually, I don't think you asked me, but I, I know that's probably going to be the next question. Um, you know, I'll probably know more um, tomorrow post our main <laughs> session and, and knowing what we're doing, but um. But uh, yeah, hopefully, answer, uh, hopefully, hopefully it's this week. Hopefully, but if not, <laughs> it'll, it'll be definitely next week. It's either one this week or next week. Nah, fingers crossed. You're out there this weekend and dominating like you were before you got injured, <laughs> mate. Great. But let's talk about other things uh, around the AFL world. First one is obviously Damien Hardwick. Like, was that a surprise to you? Because mm. I was when I saw that, I was blown away. Yeah, it was absolutely it was because I I regard him as one of the you know he's you know one of the best coaches that I've ever, I guess, come across. I mean, the way that he's helped change, you know, Richmond and, um, you know, you got to give credit to the players that they have in Dusty and Cochin and and those stars, Jack Rewalt, Alex Rance, Brett Delidio earlier days when they were all coming through with Damian Hardwick. But, you know, you could just see the respect that he demanded and um, the pressure that he was under early days when obviously they weren't having the immediate success that they wanted um, and the fact that they actually, you know, the footy club stack, stuck by him and he was able to win him three premierships, um, incredible. Um, I've got no doubt though that we'll probably see him again. I feel like watching his press conference today, 
um, you know, he spoke about how he's just, you know, mentally exhausted and, um, and whatnot, which is totally understandable. He also spoke about how he still loves the game and he has a passion for it. And uh, yeah, it will not surprise me if we see him coach again. Um, the only thing I was a little bit, I guess, disappointed about was it broke the day before. I seen, um, you know, there was news outlets that spoke about him potentially retiring. I just feel like, you know, it'd be better if he was able to just kind of do it on his own terms and, and call the press conference himself and announce it without having the anticipation. I mean, out of respect for the guy who's such a, uh, you know, champion of just this sport, playing and coach, he should have probably been able to do that himself. I mean, I guess journalism, that's how you break stories and, and that's how journalists make their money. But um, it would have been nice if he could have done it himself. What, firstly, what do you think about that? And also, obviously, what's your um, um, impressions of the legacy that Damien Hardwick's left? Yeah, I'm I'm probably a little bit torn. I feel like, you know, if you're a journalist and you, you get some news that potentially this is happening, then, yeah, you probably do. I, personally, I would probably look at, the you know, what Dim has done and how good he's been over the time. So, yeah, probably would be a good opportunity to, to let him do his thing. But then I also get the other side because it's like, well, this is my job. I understand mm. that, you know, mm. there's things that, uh, need to be broken, and you know, obviously that's the job. So you got to get you get paid to do that kind of stuff. So to, to break a story like that, obviously gets your name up in lights for sure. So I kind of sit on the fence with that one, uh, unfortunately, mate. Um, but yeah, I'm not saying that because we're on a podcast, but I'm more saying that just because I get both sides to the story. But yeah, as you touched on, I think Dim has been an incredible um, figure at the Richmond Footy Club, and. I was fortunate enough to have all spend a bit of time there before I got drafted with their VFL program and just to see the work that he did, not only with the AFL players, but the VFL players as well. And me as a player that was just playing a few games that year in my draft year, we had a great connection and um, I can understand why the boys would be obviously a little bit upset for him leaving because they all play for him. And obviously over the years, they've been playing for him and played very good footy for him. So it's going to be a, a sad one to see him go, but uh, we wish him all the best. And I, I do think as well with you, I'm with you, um, that he'll be back in footy sometime soon. I wouldn't be surprised if there's something already lined up for him next year, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, um, I definitely agree with you. What about um, you think back to those Richmond years when, you know, the 17, 18, 19, 20, even towards the end of 16, I believe, they were, you know, they were clearly the benchmark of the competition. I won three flags in that time frame, 2018, where obviously the Eagles beat us um, in the granny and we beat Richmond in the prelim. They were still, you know, by far away, the best home and away team that year and, um, you know, could argue to say that they were the best team and, you know, they were for the four years. What actually made them, from your memories, hard to actually play against when, when obviously, you know, Dimmer was coaching well and truly into his prime? Yeah, I, I just would always think about their pressure. Um Coming into games, you just know that they would just never give up. Like it'd just be ruthless defense, and the way that they attacked then was just based off their defense. So you'd come into games just expecting that full-on pressure, and uh, I feel like it got in other teams' minds, other players' minds, and you know you'd fumble, and and then it create something for them. So for me, at their best, they were just so yeah, their pressure stuff was just incredible and hard to actually get on the other side of. What are, what are your thoughts? I totally agree with you. I mean, I think from my, you know, my 10 years in, well, my 11th season playing, I, I think back to teams that, you know, that really, I guess, put me under the most pressure and um, 
I guess, forced me to feel a bit iffy when I got the ball. And I think back to those Richmond sides, there was pressure coming in all directions. Another thing yeah. that really stood out to me was, you know, their their game plan wasn't, you know, switch the ball all the time, you know, go off the line. It was pretty much kick the ball long to a contest and get speed of ball off that with the number of players around the footy. And, you know, you talk about that sounds, you know, being a, sounds pretty easy to stop. Well, it wasn't. <laughs> Trust me, when you've got... <laughs> You know, they're high-half forwards when Daniel Rioli's playing high forward and, and Jason Constanio. And then they had Josh Caddy early days, Dustin Martin, the midfielders in Koch and Dion Prestia. Um, you know, these guys getting around the footy and winning contest the ball, getting the ball going forward with that surge mentality. I mean, it just, it just couldn't stop it. And then, you know, when you would build momentum um, or when they would build momentum, it just felt like there's – yeah, they're just going to – kick a flurry of goals here, playing in front of, you know, 80,000 people at the MCG. That was another intimidating um, factor about it. And it reminds me a lot of Collingwood, you know, now, and obviously Craig Craig McRae was obviously a part of those teams at Richmond. Um, it, it's so similar watching Collingwood and seeing how their crowds are and the way Collingwood like to play and they run in waves and get the ball going forward and their pressure is, you know, the best in the competition. Um, and now that, that's all thanks to, you know, the way Richmond played and the way Dimmer obviously set them up and, um, yeah, the way he coached. So that's probably what I think um, most when I think about Richmond. Mm, it's a it's a good one because I feel like when you're when you're a good side and um, you're coming up against another good team that like Richmond that was so good for a long period of time, it genuinely it plays in your mind. It plays on your mind. Mm. Like you go into mm. the game thinking and expecting, like, geez, they're going to be good. It's kind of like Geelong last year. I feel like they were obviously. Uh, I think they won about seventeen straight before the grand final. So. If you're coming up against them, you know, after 10 wins, then you're like, geez, this this is going to be a tough one. And I feel like that's what Richmond were like in their prime. And, yeah, I agree. And and those years were obviously and, – and obviously Dusty's still playing as good as ever and he's you know, probably the scariest one-on-one player still. But in those years of 17 to 20, he was, you know, in my opinion, I've only ever seen – Really, Chris Judd, and I'm biased towards Chris Judd because he was he was my idol growing up, and I'm and Anthony Kudafidis, but he's is you know Dusty is a top five player in my opinion of all time, and um you know him in those years, oh there was no one better to, to watch, but coming up against there was no, no one more intimidating, and um you know he um you know he was really a Richmond the way that he played just suited the way that Richmond played and, and brought out all of his strengths. So I think back to oh, Dustin Martin, how scary good he was. Um, speaking of Dusty, though, they they mentioned, uh, Dimmer mentioned, you know, I think he said Dusty suggested that he goes to Ibiza and has a little bit of a break. Um, <laughs> what would you recommend if you were recommending Dimmer to, go, Dimmer to go somewhere? Well, I've only really been to the States properly and I've done a bit of the UK. So if I was Dimmer... Uh, I'd probably send him to the States and say, go and watch some NFL, mate. I'll go to the NFL draft in, in a few weeks' time or something like that. Well, go now and watch the NBA finals. That'd be sick. Yep. Yeah, I reckon that'd be um, something to, to consider because uh, we the fact that we, you know, our sport obviously takes up the months of March to September. You never get the opportunity to watch the NBA or the NBA finals. So that'd be something. But it's funny. We suggest it because we obviously he, – he might not even like NBA or NFL. We're suggesting go watch American sport. Well, I was going to say he probably wants to get away from sport in general. So <laughs> maybe somewhere off the uh, – I don't know. It's America, you're probably going to get more sport over there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah maybe yeah. Ibiza is somewhere for him to go. <laughs> that would be good. A couple of the pool parties, which would be sick. But – 
It obviously leads us into one of the games of the round, probably the game of the round in, in the Dreamtime at the G game. Um, I know uh, you probably wouldn't have been able to see that, but you might have seen highlights um, maybe yeah. afterwards. But it was an unbelievable, incredible game, incredible game of footy. Yeah, I saw uh, obviously Jakey Stringer. I saw a couple of interviews post-game um, and, and Durham obviously kicked the winner. Uh, but I saw something today. It was actually asking about, do you reckon Jakey Stringer in that moment um, would always potentially 90% of the time have a shot or would he send Probably, it the ball? Probably, yeah. Yep. And well, it was, you, it's just you a, played with him. What do you reckon? No, well, I think it's a it's a great thing to see. You know, obviously he's a he's a natural talent. And he's very freakish around the goal, so I'd back him in every day of the week to have a shot there. But to see him center the ball in that situation instead of you know trying to do it himself is, I think it obviously shows how how well he's going and how he's thinking about the team at the moment, which is which is great for Essendon Footy Club. Yeah, and and as you said, Durham to mark the ball under the under pressure and the way that he did because it was obviously a contested mark um, with a ball. You know, there was that many revs on the ball. It would have hurt your hands. Um, it was <laughs> unbelievable. Um, yeah, it was something. One, of, It's one of those games where, you know, I think back to what uh, being able to play in Anzac Day and, um, you know, the big freeze games for Collingwood. You know, they're one of the games that, you know, Essendon and, and Richmond, I know, would feel very truly blessed and lucky to actually be a part of because it seems like, you know, the more that it's gone on and, and the amount of years it's been around, um, it's just gotten bigger and bigger and, and, the amount of um, you know Indigenous AFL players, men and women that come and watch and support, and you see all the champions. And Michael Long was there, and um, all the greats that have come before us. Um, yeah, it makes you want to be a part of it. It gives you a bit of that. Oh, I wish I was playing that. Yeah, it was funny. I was actually ch- chatting to uh, Jake after the game because we played him obviously last week up here, um, and he was talking about how good it is to go and play Dreamtime and obviously Richmond. And we're just touching on Richmond, but they'd won the last, I think it was 13 games between the two sides. So it's obviously a daunting thing for the Bombers crew to go down there and uh, all go across to the G and play them in dream time. But to get over the over the top of them in the end was was incredible. And I'm sure Jakey and all the boys would be pumped with that. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're flying at the moment, one of the really good sides. Speaking of, um, you know, primetime games, obviously the primetime game on Friday, the Port Adelaide-Melbourne game, um, you know, it was another great game to watch considering the conditions. But what about there's? I think there's a there's an absolute star in the making. I mean, always seen how talented this guy was. Um, I think yeah. when I when we played against him this year, he was definitely the best player on the ground, and you probably gained a little bit more respect considering, you know, we played in a wet weather game against them. But Zach Butters on on the weekend, he um, you know, he was playing. It looked like he was playing with a dry ball. There was torrential rain, and you know, he's come away with forty one and kicked two, but. The most impressive thing is the 41 in those kind of conditions wasn't, you know, 41, you know, hat kick forwards or whatever you want to call it in those type of footy or those type of conditions. He was just classy and, you know, he looks quick and um, powerful around the ball and, you know, really complimented Connor Rosie and, um, you know, Ollie Wines and, and Will, uh, Will Drew and these guys in there. Um, do you reckon we're seeing, you know, an, another star in the making or if not already a star but a superstar in the making? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he's been a really good player for a long period of time already, mm. to be honest. Like I, I've probably just been overshadowed by Rosie and and the yep. likes and Bokey and all that through the midfield. So it's great to see him obviously playing great football. And yeah, I watched that whole game and I was blown away by the way he was using the footy. He was bringing it back into the corridor from the from the boundary line and just doing things that were obviously keeping Port in the game. But 
obviously it got him over the end, it got him over the line in the end. Sorry, so yeah, he's an incredible player, and yeah, definitely a star already. I believe, mate. If no one's taking Port Adelaide serious um, before that, I, I feel like they're definitely going to be doing it now because they're. You know, as as your they obviously beat you guys and they beat us as well, and we play them in another couple of weeks. Um, they are definitely one of the best sides in the competitions and inform teams in the competition. They they've got class all across the field, and yeah, they're playing some really really good football. What about um the uh, the North Melbourne Sydney game? Did you see? Oh. Uh, did you see it, or were you on your way to um on the way to the game? No, 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 I saw it. I came back. I was watching Kaiser play at Morningside, and uh, then I came back to the house before I then got ready to go to to the Gabba, and I flicked on the footy because I was watching a bit of the Adelaide Dogs game, your game, and then I was like, geez, that North Melbourne-Sydney game's close. So I flicked it on, and for the last five minutes, I was like, North Melbourne going to win. I actually thought they were going to win, and then it got down into their forward pocket, like Sydney's forward pocket, and I was like, Hang on, what's the umpire doing? He's just completely stopped, and he's like listening to his ear. And I was like, "When? What is he doing?" And everyone else is standing around on on the ground, like, "What's going on?" And then all of a sudden, interchange infringement, and I was just like, yep. "No way! No. Like, that just never that never happens." Well, a couple of things. Firstly, yeah, I couldn't believe it when I seen it. You don't, you do not see it. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where it can completely ruin a season and, um, you know, obviously North had had a, a, an enormous week with um, Alistair Clarkson not, you know, obviously stepping down for mental health and we both wish him all the very best. He's another, speaking of champion coaches, he's one of the very greats. Absolutely. Um, but, um, you know, for them to have the week that they have and then come up against the, you know, uh, a team who played in the grand final last year, to have that taken away from him, it's just you know, devastating for them. I mean, give credit to Sydney. They won the game and obviously don't um, discredit them, but it's devastating for the week that they had, but for a young group like North who, you know, are trying to build as much momentum as they can. Could you imagine being in their shoes and how actually flat you'd be? Oh, mate, it'd be, yeah, very deflating. It's a, as you touched on, it's a tough one to to swallow because it's such a rare thing that, that happens. Like it just never happens, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I saw... I saw a lot of things around it because they were saying that they not only did one, but they did two extra interchanges. Mm. So how how does that? I think they try to just put him back on because he wasn't meant to come off. But I think it was well, uh, Liam Shields. Yeah. Liam Shields was cramping. <laughs> well, how does? I don't get how. Like, what? Where does the stuff up happen? Because the. You know, every team has the interchange steward and um, yeah, there's obviously a person on the headset talking to whoever it may be about the number of interchanges. I just don't see where it would have happened, how they could have got it wrong. Well, the only thing I can think of is because you do know, like when you run off and there's no more interchanges, you normally get let known as players. It's like, righto, boys, uh, we're done for the night. Like, that's it. Like, we're just sitting on the bench. Mm. Um but Shields, Shields probably just ran off thinking, I'm cramping. I've just got to get off the ground here because it's like the dying moments of the game, probably not thinking himself uh, that potentially the interchange was done. So, mm-hmm. But then you'd think, you'd think they'd just be like, no, 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 no stay there, stay, don't stay. come off. Yeah. yeah. But uh, there was none of it. So crazy, yeah. crazy scenes at Marvel Stadium. Yeah, very, very disappointing for North Melbourne. I feel like it's one of those wins for – Sydney where it could really kickstart something and, you know, 
they're more than capable of having a string of um, really good performances and winning games of footy. There's no coincidence they made the granny last year and was one of the two best teams all year. So um, definitely one of uh, – it could be a win that kickstarts them. Do you think the penalty for the interchange infringement is hard, like harsh? Absolutely, yep. Now watching that, absolutely. It shouldn't be – it should – because – tell you what, because that direct interchange had no impact on the game. So – yeah. You know, there's no impact on the result of the game in terms of someone coming on and off in that direct instance. So, yeah, I definitely think it's too harsh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Imagine that happening in a, like a grand final. Final. See, I feel like I feel like it would be like, oh, I didn't see that kind of thing. Oh, no, nah, they were on 74 <laughs> or whatever it may have been because there's – can you imagine if that was a grand final? I mean, there'd be – Oh my my gosh! There would be a riot, or there'd be the op- the opposition fans that lost. There'd be yeah, it'd just be mayhem because so I, f- I definitely feel like it's too much of a um a punishment. Do you think that the punishment should just be, or not even a punishment? It should just be righto. He's gone on for this bloke. Get him off, and the other guy has to go back on. Like jerk, and that's what has to happen. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, like I mean. I understand it being a – like, I can understand it being a free kick, and we all know. We all know. Maybe the, maybe the free kick has to be where the ball is. Like, I mean, yeah, it's, well, a bit in that case, for, it's a bit hard to it just would have been rotate and back over. Yeah, I get yeah. that. But, like, that's just unlucky that the stoppage was there. If the ball was in the opposition back pocket, we wouldn't be sitting here saying, oh, the ball would be in the pocket. It'd be – so, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, if – Say there's a say it's similar to say you get the ball right half back you're running and you kick it and someone comes and cleans you up. Usually, what happens is the free kick goes where the ball is. Why can't it be the same with interchange? Whatever got it wrong, the ball's on the wing. All right, the ball just goes to the closest guy on the wing. I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like it's a bit harsh for it to be on the goal line. I mean, it's a goal. It's not. No one's going to miss on the goal line. So. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it's. I feel like it's definitely one that probably needs to be looked at. But you know, what do we know? We don't. Uh, we don't know anything. Mate. <laughs> uh, I, something that caught my eye on the weekend though was uh, it was actually Friday night. We were talking about the Melbourne Port game. Did you see a couple of the free kicks that were that paid for blocking the opposition mm. ruckman from getting? I was. Mate. I was genuinely like. I was confused. Like the next night. Yeah. I went to block the Ruckman, the big witsy from the Gold Coast, and I was like, I don't even know if I'm allowed to do this. <laughs> well, there was one where I think Port kicked the goal and Maxi Gorn was running to the bench, and it might have been Pal Pepper who was blocking him, and they gave a free kick at the centre bounce to the Melbourne side, and he wasn't even – literally, he was just stepping in his way to just impede his run. It wasn't like he was punching him or you know hitting him illegally. It was just to block him. I mean, it is annoying, but it's not worthy of a free kick, I don't think. No, but one of them, I swear, resulted in a goal as well. Like Maxi Gorn was trying to get down to the goal square and there was a couple oh, yeah. of guys trying to block him and then he got a free set shot and it was a goal. Or it was 50 well, metres or something. And I'm like... Mm, well, it's considered a... What they call... We could hear them on the umpire mic. They say it's you're impeding his run, so it's a free kick. But like, what happens if I handball the ball to you and someone's trying to tackle you and I come across and block him? Am I impeding his run? Well, I am yeah. technically, so it kind of you defeats are. like it's not the answer. So it's like if someone's getting tagged, same mm. thing. It's a it's a total difference between 
you know, say say Pal Pepper was belting him or punching him or hitting him or you know shoving the elbow into him off the ball, which is a hundred meters away. It's different to just standing in front of him and just blocking him. So, um, yeah, I feel like that was a little bit odd on the on the Friday because I've seen you know I've you know we we our one of your ex teammates and one of my teammates Libba he does it all the time. He does it as well as anybody where he tries to you know. Tries tries to get our own ruckman free from the opposition ruckman just by blocking him. I feel like it's taught. I feel like you know if you're you're trying to uh, get on top of the other ruckman or whoever it might be, an opposition player from the other team, then it's like right, boys, let's just make it a hard day for him. Let's check his run all the time, make it a really hard day for him, mm. and help mm. our ruckman out or help our players out by doing so. That's just a team tactic. That's not a that's not a way of giving away a free kick, surely. No, nah, I uh, I don't think so. Maybe um, hopefully there's a uh, yeah, hopefully there's some AFL hierarchy having to listen to our potty and yeah, <laughs> and maybe considering a couple of things. Yeah, it, it's just something that I wanted to ask you about because I was I remember seeing it and thinking, geez, what's going on there? Yeah, yeah, I agree. What about um? Oh, there's nothing, nothing else you want to mention before getting into your game. Nah, not really. Nah, all good, mate. All good. Well, you we were going to mention um, players that impressed you. I obviously want you to touch on now your game this week against the Crows. I know it's over there and it's – is it your only Sunday game for the year? Because it's on Sunday, isn't it? It is. It's actually our only Sunday. I, I don't reckon I've ever played just one Sunday game for the year. So looking forward to it, mate, down in Adelaide. It'll be good. That's when you know you're flying because they don't schedule it on a Sunday. Although Collingwood have played a lot of Sunday games and they're the best team in the comp, so it's quite funny. But um, no, nah, what about um, you? Obviously, watched our game against the Crows. What's your, uh, you, you know, your first initial, um, you know, feelings towards obviously Adelaide and who are players that have impressed you? Who do you, you know, what do you, what do you guys need to do to stop them? Obviously, it's going to be a hostile crowd against you know a really good side in Adelaide, and we've seen prior to our game they. You know, got a hold of St Kilda in the in their um, you know home ground, so it's going to be a um, mm. a really good contest to watch. Yeah, for sure. This is a, a massive game for us. I feel like if we can take the Crow scalp down at Adelaide Oval, it's going to be a very big thing for us moving into. Obviously, we get out of mid season bye after that, so it's a it's a huge game, massive build up, of, and down in down in South Australia too. So looking forward to. Obviously, channeling the uh, the energy of the the Crow supporters down there, mate, and hopefully we've got a few Lions supporters too. I know Tipper and a few of her teammates might come along, so extra support is always good. But I think, yeah, we looked at them a little bit today, and uh, they're very good around the contest, and their stuff away from the ball's been nice. And I feel like their ball movement is something that they really like to focus on, and and they're really clean at doing that. And um, I feel like the their key forwards in Tex, who didn't play against you boys, but I feel like he's a very big focal point for him or focal point for him. So uh, we're going to have to try and – if he comes back into the side, we're going to have to try and negate him in a way. Obviously, losing Paney too for us doesn't doesn't help us, but we've got some key backs in the in the stocks that are ready to come in. So looking forward to uh, the challenge and yeah, getting down there and, and hopefully playing our best footy because I feel like we've got on a bit of a roll now and um, chalking up a few wins and the confidence is definitely there that you know our be- best footy can take it up to anyone. So – Looking forward to the challenge and, and getting down there, mate. No, I um I agree. It's going to be an enormous challenge for you guys. There's there's some um you know great matchups all across the field. I definitely believe it's I say it probably most weeks, but it's going to be uh, an intriguing matchup inside. I um you know last week spoke about how highly I regard Jordan Dawson in particular, who's 
having an, an incredible season. And Rory led through there as well. Brody Smith off halfback. Um, what about yourself? How do you feel like you will, I guess, approach their mids? Because I feel like, you know, we seen on their on the weekend against us that um, they well and truly matched up against us and were able to beat us around the ball. Will it be, you know, trying to put as much pressure on 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 their, um, you know, disposal away from the clearance or, you know, whatever, you know, give us a bit of an insight on, on what you reckon the approach will be without getting in trouble by the um by the coaches by giving away game plan stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's a good question. I feel like they they really like to get the ball on the outside. So uh that more so they win it at the source, but if they don't win it then they're surrounding you with a number of players to then hopefully you cough it up to them for them to go forward. So yeah, there's gonna be elements to the game where the contest is obviously really important but uh, the outside play is going to be probably even more important, I feel, uh, outside and around the stoppage. We always talk about, you know, inside, outside balance and things like that. Um, it's going to be important with the Crows because once they get on the outside, like I touched on, they use the footy really, really well. And then their key forwards can hit up at the ball. So they've got some great ball users in there in Dawson and like you touched on and um, Roy Laird's having a really good year as well. So there's some players that go through that midfield that can really use the footy dangerously and we've got to be on top of that for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. I cannot wait to watch it. I love being able to watch the last um, – I always enjoy watching the last um, game of the round because, you know, it's it's late on a Sunday and um, you've got to prepare for training the next day. So my eyes will be glued onto it. Um, and obviously you'll be playing and obviously I'm your number one supporter, mate. Um, <laughs> what about, what about as you just touched on, uh, mid-season buy plans because – you guys are obviously having a break after this, which is um, which is crazy because we don't actually have a buy for another, I think, four games. So, yeah, you I guys, saw this. I was like, yeah. oh, there's t- it's like four weeks of buys. Yep. And yeah. Unfortunately, we don't out. match up, mate, so we can't really hang out. Although I will come back to Melbourne and probably see <laughs> yeah. you uh, around the traps. Well, that that's is that answering your question? My question was going to be, what are you actually doing? What's your plans? I know Tipper's season will be going, so you can't really go anywhere with tips. So what are you planning to do? Yeah. Yeah, so I'll, I'll plan it to come home. Uh, I'll go see the parents on the farm firstly. I think the old man's uh, getting a bit of surgery next week on his back, so Ooh. might have to help him out and get him back to getting back to the farm. He probably won't like that I've said that, but too bad, Panda. Um, he will hate yeah, that because so- he's going to be seen as a weak. Oh, poor <laughs> Panda. Hey, that was Josh, not me, mate. You know I love you. Yeah, so I'll head back home, I'll look after him and see mum and spend some time with the family and then come back because it's actually good because Tipper's playing in Melbourne on Saturday night, so I'll be able to watch her game and spend some time with her as well. So uh, nice to be able to go back to the farm and back home where I grew up, mate, and you know what it's like down there. It'd be nice to uh, see a few people and, and spend some time out there in the open and fresh air because it's a beautiful part of the world down in Yarra, mate. You know that. It is a beautiful place. I've, um, you know, really was an eye opener for me the first time I went down there. Was, um, <laughs> but it is good fun. I, um, as you said, you get away, you get away from the um hustle and bustle of the world, and you know, a couple of spots that have no reception, and um, you know, hang out with all the animals. So it's nice. Um, and it's also good because you said you'll be in Melbourne, and uh, we've got a game on that uh, on that Saturday against Geelong. So hopefully, you can uh, I can sneak you down and you come into the change room even if you want. Oh, geez. I don't know about that. I'll probably get, uh, I don't know if I'd be able to attend a doggies game, mate, the way they, uh, they booed me in round three. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be definitely keen to catch up with yourself and a few others. It'd be good. 
Oh, that's good. I'm um, I'm looking forward to. It. Well, hopefully you can do it off the back of a um off the back of a win, and you can go into the bye sitting nice and comfortable on the ladder. Um, but it, it should be a good game. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, mate. Hopefully, as I touched on, it's a great challenge for us, and we're going to build it up like it's uh, our last game for the year. So, looking forward to that. Um, but talk about yourself, mate. Obviously, you're not sure if you're coming back yet, but mm. how do you see the the Suns game playing out? Obviously, like I said. Uh, they've been really good across the year and, and really took it up to us last week. So I'm intrigued to see how this battle uh, pans out. Yeah, well, it's obviously going to be quite um, different for, for us in the, in the you know, considering the past games we've played in the last month have been, you know, pretty cold and, um, you know, not not overly humid. And um, we've had a couple of wet games, so we're obviously anticipating for it to be slippery and, you know, kind of playing wet weather footy. So we've been used to that a little bit, but no, it's going to be a really good contest. And and hopefully, obviously, as we just said, I'm, I'll be a part of it. And, um, it'll be, I feel like it'll be, um, you know, a really good battle through the midfield once again. They're a very good contestable side team. Um, they've got some dangerous players in their forward line who, you know, can win goals off their own boot. And, um, you know, the I feel like they've built, um, you know, a lot of, Good footy over the past month. I know they didn't win last week against you guys, but they were right into the game, you know, right up till obviously the last quarter. And, um, you know, you, you boys are right up there as one of the best teams in the competition. So um, we're fully anticipating for the heat to be on from the get-go. Um, they play, I think, up in Darwin quite a bit. Most years they play up there, I believe. So, um, you know, they, they're they probably used to a bit of the, hot, of the heat. Obviously, being on the Gold Coast, it's beautiful all year round. It's nothing like Melbourne. So, um yeah, it's going to be a, a, an interesting battle for us. One that um, you know we just got to keep, you know, playing the way that we want to play, bringing the contested side game that we bring, and um, the defensive wants and attitude that we've brought, you know, all year. Really, I think that's one thing that we can definitely be proud about. That regardless of win or loss, we've been able to defend really well, probably other than the first two games, and um, that's something that has been extremely pleasing. So. Um, hopefully we can just keep bringing that same mindset and um, it can be a nice, um, you know, strong performance for us once again and have another win and, and just keep rolling from there. And as you said, um, you know, as we've touched on, I think this is the time when, you know, we want to be a team that can start separating um, ourselves from, you know, other sides and, and really establishing ourselves as a, um, you know, a bona fide, really good side in the competition and one that can, can win most weeks. So really looking forward to the game. I, I um, you know, whether I'm playing, I'll, I'll be loving it or if I'm watching, I'll be loving it. But um, it's something that I'll definitely be looking forward to. Yeah. Tell us, tell us a little bit about your opposition analysis. Do you do much of that yourself and individually and collectively? Like what days do you look at, uh, say Gold Coast, for example, this week? Uh, and then individually, do you check out tape of potentially who you might line up on or things like that? Yeah, I mean, it's changed a lot over time for me. I, um, you know, I've just over there in the cupboard. I've showed you before the book that I used to. I used to write, you know, a full A four page of spreadsheet of the opposition, and you know, spend countless of hours on you know opposition and write all the midfield players down and their strengths and weaknesses. And no doubt, there's probably a little bit of you in there from all those years ago. But um, I kind of just go with how. You know, I guess how, well, obviously Collingwood do it different to the Bulldogs and the Giants did it obviously different to Collingwood and kind of just go with how the team goes about it. And, um, you know, we like to obviously review a little bit later or preview a little bit later in the week. We're at Collingwood. When I was there, we, we previewed earlier in the week. So, 
um, you know, I feel like there's definitely pros for both ways. And, um, you know, I, I like the fact that we, you know, we review our game, our games, you know, um, quite a bit over the first few days of the week and then really hone in on the opposition the last couple of days. So, you know, tomorrow is probably, well, tomorrow is our main session before the, the boys and all of us head away to Darwin on Thursday. We're going up early to, um, you know, acclimatize ourselves and, and get used to the heat prior to the Saturday game. So we'll have a main session tomorrow and, um, you know, probably have a little bit of a look on, um, you know, what, you know, what their, their ball movement may be like or whatever it may be at training. We'll probably, you know, whether it's bring a, 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 you know, have the VFL guys train as Gold Coast and we, we match up against that and try and stop that. I think most teams do that, but it's something that I, I feel like puts us in good stead going into the weekend's game. And then, um, individually, um, you know, I obviously like to know who I'm coming up against, but, our midfield and obviously backs and forwards do it really well where our coaches, obviously, they clip up a lot of stuff where, you know, this is their center bounce stuff. This is their, you know, ball up stuff. This is the way they kick the ball in and how they set up and how they want to defend our kick-ins and whatnot. So, you know, the way that we've got it now, we're pretty lucky to just be able to go onto the server and watch that. So, um, you know, to answer your question, I suppose, the, the last couple of days we tend to focus more on um, the last couple of days of the week prior to the game, we tend to focus a lot more on, um, you know, what we need to do to um, stop this upcoming opposition and obviously Gold Coast being this one and then how we can do that and exploit that. So, um, yeah, that, that seems to be what a week typically looks like for us and um, I definitely feel like it works well and truly. But obviously each each footy club's totally different. So, um, yeah, we'll spend quite a bit of time tomorrow on the, on the Suns. Yeah it's, a, yeah, it's a good point, I think. Everyone can do it differently. I've I've obviously been used to the way that you've you still do it now is later in the week, but up here we we tend to do it uh, early in the week. So it's reviewing our game really quickly, and then obviously moving on to the to the next game. So then you can sort of train it throughout the week. So I see the best of both sides, to be honest. It's a but it is a really important thing, I think, when you're looking at who you're coming up against to know about the opposition and know about opposition yep. players you might you might be facing is an important one to look at. Yeah, I feel like it's another like you got to understand, and I know there's obviously a lot of keen young footballers who listen to our potty because we get the feedback all the time. Um, you know, each person is different. Like it doesn't have to be the same thing for everyone. And I'm I've always been someone who I don't really like watching vision. I don't enjoy watching vision of a player. I I know unless I absolutely there. You know, first year, and I don't know anything about them. I'll probably watch vision, but say I'm coming up against you, you know, I don't need to watch vision of you. I know your strengths, I know your weaknesses. Well, I believe I do, and I, you know, I know what I'll need to do to try and stop that. And I feel like vice versa for someone um, like you've played with. But each person's different, and even you know, reviewing games. I mean, I I review better by just having a conversation with you know my coach or my my line coach and just talking to them about instances and moments because I'm experienced enough and old enough to know, you know, what I need to work on, what I didn't do particularly well in the game, what I did do well. So I don't necessarily need to go out of my way to watch hours and hours of it. Um, yeah. And I feel like each individual is different because I know players in my in, in the team that love watching vision. Cody Waitman loves watching vision and I see it all the time and there's a reason why he plays so well, you know, quite often is because he knows what his defender wants to do to him and how he wants to move and whatnot. And yeah, it's a it's a credit to Cody because he does that extremely well. So each um, individual is different. Yeah, you've got to definitely find what's right for you and that's, that's the beauty of trying different things out uh, along the journey. But 
We'll move on, mate. We've uh, we haven't talked about this segment for quite some time. Uh, the Nepal. I know. Uh, mm. Just a shout out to to Letha Kirk Kirkby uh, for the feedback yep. on the socials. We see it and we respond to it. But thank you for obviously hitting us up about it. Uh, how's Kimmy going, mate? It's obviously it's been a been a tough tough year so far, but uh, I feel like they're they're still showing some signs of some good Nepal. Uh, it's just probably not coming together across the four quarters. How do you see uh, yeah. the Firebirds? Well, firstly, it's obviously like it's pretty disappointing that we lost Macy Gardner um, a couple of weeks ago, and then yep. we lost Gabby as well in the same game that Tipper hurt her ankle as well. So, um, yeah, that's been disappointing because it's kind of I, I reckon hurt our cohesion a little bit, and it's clearly evident by watching. Um, you know, Kimmy kind of moves around in her role and players come in and out. So, um, yes, that's great. Um, you know, invaluable experience for the players coming through center and wing attack, wing defense, wherever the um, positional change may be. You can tell that it, you know, hurts them when they play when the, the cohesion's not there. And yeah, and this is coming from someone who knows, you know, very little about netball. This is just me observing, um, and and obviously having conversations with Kimmy. So, um, yeah, it's been you know frustrating because as you know, you probably ride the waves with Tipper as she does with you, and I do the same with Kimmy and. Um, you know, the game on the weekend, there was a record broken, but not for the good reason for for us. Um, Fever were able to put on, I think, 97 points or whatever it was and beat us by like 32 or something and break the record, which is, yeah, it was hard to watch because you could see the girls are trying so hard, but when the Fever in that, um, you know, the way that they're playing and I think Glasgow had, Sasha Glasgow, I think um, is her first name. Um, she, I think, shot 14 two two pointers broke a record or something and she just wasn't missing it was just incredible and it was really cool to watch because you know you want to see good sport and good netball so and then to go along with Fowler up there and who's you know the best yeah. goal shooter in the world um how can you stop that when um you know when when the, all the momentum's going their way so in terms of that it's been pretty disappointing i feel like the last um prior to that they'd played some really good netball and and Kim would was very confident and she's always confident week in, week out. She, you know, she's um, such a proud and passionate team person. There's no, obviously, you know, no no surprise that she's the captain, but she wears her heart on her sleeve and, you know, she wants the girls to perform high and, and well at, a, at you know, at a good level most weeks and or well, every week. And, yeah, it's just been, um, you know, it was a disappointing performance on the weekend. But, you know, the, the beauty is there's four more games to go. There's still... Great opportunity to perform and, um, you know, hopefully Macy can come back and Gabby can come back and, and really help us. Macy, I feel like I felt like was playing incredibly well prior to her going out. She was really, um, you know, growing in that position at center and you could clearly see her strengths and, um, you know, she reminds me a lot of the way Kimmy was playing when Kimmy was coming through the ranks and obviously Kimmy ended up being a, a superstar and Macy want, want her to obviously be a superstar and she will, no doubt. So, yeah, hopefully these next, you know, I think there's got four games left. Hopefully they can be, you know, some good games and, and some wins there. Um, you know, there's my short little analysis on the Firebirds. What about you, mate? What about the Thunderbirds? Polar opposites, although they didn't win on the weekend, but polar opposites. Yeah, well, the weekend was a little bit disappointing for them. You touched on uh, Tipper doing an ankle a couple of weeks ago against against the Firebirds, Kimmy and Lara. We didn't talk about Lara, but... Obviously, Lara's playing it um, up there with Kimmy as well, or up here, I should say. I'm not, I'm not in Melbourne. I keep pinching myself that I'm in Queensland, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they, they had a really good year to date. The weekend was probably a little bit disappointing for them. 
losing to the Vixens, I think, by 20-odd. I was actually shocked to see that score when I'd come off the that field and check the check the score. So, yeah, tips looking forward to hopefully getting back this week against a fever at home. Uh, but, yeah, I feel like they've been pretty happy as a as a netball club. They've never – they haven't made finals for a few years. So, hopefully, uh, the next couple of weeks is telling and they can play some good netball and get a couple of wins because then it shores up that finals position. But they were on top of the ladder last week. I think now they dropped down to second or third. So, uh, yeah, it's looking promising for them. I feel like their best netball is definitely capable of taking it up to anyone and in that top four especially. So looking forward to seeing how they go this weekend against the Fever. Uh, but then obviously moving forward, there's only four or five weeks to go. So getting towards mm-hmm. the pointy end, mate, which will be pretty exciting for the Thunderbirds. Obviously might be a little bit different for um, Kimmy and Lara with the, the way that their team's going, but yeah, really looking forward to the next few weeks and seeing how it all uh, plays out because it's a exciting time of year for the netball community. I do want to talk about the netball though because the Collingwood Football Club have said that they want to get rid of their team potentially or they're doing a review. Where else will there be a team? Because there's going to have to be another team somewhere else. Yeah, there has to be. I think there's agreement with the actual TV rights where there has to be eight teams. So I don't yeah. know. I've, I've seen a Tasmania... Um, suggestion i mean tassie seems to be winning at the moment in everything so um you know and i obviously know a couple of people from tassie obviously teammates and pl- people that i know and you know those people speak really highly of netball down in in tasmania for it to be a standalone team as well um you know it would be incredible for him so i don't know i think probably you know where, where else could a team be I, I think geelong i think geelong are gonna get a team because i feel like geelong yeah. is one of those towns it's one of those towns that will really get behind their players. Like if they have a team or netball team, basketball team, they're just going to always go to their games. So to be a bit of a fortress for them, potentially. Yeah, definitely. I, I, you know, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I, um, I just think if Collingwood do, you know, if they do go under, and obviously un- it'd be extremely unfortunate because, you know, there was yeah. so much promise early days, and hopefully they can figure it out. But, um, the playing the player pool that will come from Collingwood. I mean, there's some absolute stars at, at Collingwood. I mean, Kelsey Brown's a gun. Um, you know, Jeeva Mentors are, are still going as well as ever. And um, there'd be some players that would be up for grabs for some teams who would, would need them. And obviously, the Firebirds are obviously looking to improve. So I wouldn't uh, wouldn't say no to a couple of the players going up to the Firebirds. Yeah, they've got some great players, uh, the Pies. But it's just going to be interesting because I feel like the, the way, you know, we obviously, we're close to the netball with our partners being involved and obviously my sister as well, Lara. But I just feel like it's at a point now where, I don't know, I just wish that they would, they do, they should get more for what they do. Like it should yeah. be, it should be a, a full-time thing. They train as much as us really. And mm. even their, their pay stuff, like it should be, they should be earning well more than, way more than what they're currently on. And I feel like the league itself is, yeah, whether they're doing, I don't know, what's what's the best interest for the girls and what's the best interest for the game. Because this, Nepal is one of the highest uh, number of female It is. Uh, it's the number one. In the, in the world, mate. It's the yeah, number one. Yeah, I know. I know. It's the, and so, In Australia, it's the number one participated sport in yeah. Australia. So, no, I, I agree with that because there's a, such a um, discrepancy between the highest paid player in the netball as well and the lowest paid player from from reports. I mean, don't know obviously the detail, but 
I agree with that because these, you know, we see, you see Tipper and, and obviously Lara and I see Lara as well and Tipper and Kimmy and, and how much effort they put in to their bodies first and foremost. But, you know, these these ladies, they're finely tuned athletes. They're some of the best that you'll see um, yep. in the world. And, um, you know, a lot of them have to have a second job because, you know, they can't, you know, make a substantial amount of living for what they're getting paid. So, no, I agree with you. I definitely agree with you. And, and it surprised me because, as you said, it's the number one participated sport in the world. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's it blows my mind that they can't – or they don't get more for what they do. And, you yeah. know, their preseason went for as, as long as ours, if not longer. So, mm. things like that, you're like, yeah, hopefully uh, Nepal Australia can sort something out and, and we can all get behind the game because it's a it's an incredible game. As Adji touched on, the girls are in fine condition and the way they play on the court is just – next level so uh to all the netball fans out there that listen to the potty and if you don't uh support netball maybe have a look at it because it's pretty impressive look. stuff well we'll move on from uh from netball to um always always our last segment and and our favorite <laughs> is uh, the nba finals i mean i don't know what we're going to talk about when the nba is done maybe the nfl fantasy draft as i'm trying to sneak it in every week but um oh we'll start with jimmy butler Jimmy freaking Butler, oh. as uh, as Tommy likes to put it, he's, yeah, uh, he's just he, on mate. a whole new level, mate. Oh, I just love, I love his character. His character is just next level. It's so good. He just I, he gets everyone up. I feel like everyone's now loving Jimmy Butler because he's just bringing this different sort of persona to the the NBA game. Like it's just, it's crazy. He's he's doing the old. What is it? When you talk the talk, you walk the walk. He's doing that. I mean, he's talking the talk. And, you know, did you see that celebration, that timeout celebration he did to Al Horford? Because Al Horford <laughs> did it in the first game. And he literally did it while staring at him on one knee. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, you actually can't even do that, you know, down here in the it's AFL. But, oh. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. I tell you what, Grant Williams will never, ever poke the bear again. Oh, Since he did I, I that, think he it was game will. over. No, I actually think he's still going to try. Yeah, I mean, that's just oh. – he plays his best ball when he's on edge, but clearly Jimmy Butler does too. So you probably got to balance it out. But, um, you know, it's over. Like it's not – no team has ever come back from 3-0 uh, three down. There's been three teams in the history out of the – whether it's 180 teams, whatever it is, that have been 3-0 down in the history – only I think three teams have actually gotten to a game seven, but it ended up losing. So it's never been done before. And or maybe I shouldn't say it because every, the opposite seems to happen. But I just don't. There's Boston can't beat him, not at all. I mean, they're just too good. They're too good. Jason Tatum, after he came out and said he's the best player in the world because of that last quarter. Remember when he said humbly, "I'm the best in the world" or one of the best in the world. Um, yep. Yeah, he's kind of uh, that shot. He shot himself in the foot because he. He hasn't hit many field goals in the last quarter, which is um, which I know would no doubt would be hurting him. But yeah, Jimmy Butler's just on a whole new level at the moment. So you're saying the Celtics can't do anything to win? Oh, they might be able to win one game, but the next game's in Miami again, and we've seen how they played in my in Miami two days ago, losing by twenty twenty five. I mean, what are they going to yeah. do that's different? Nah, no, no. I'm just saying because this we're obviously recording this prior to. Uh, the game four. So, yeah, I mean, for me, I don't think the Celtics can get anywhere near them because they're like obviously in Miami and Jimmy, but they're all playing great 
team basketball, which I think is, you know, we'll touch on Denver in a second, but Denver is showing that too. So it's just a, it's just great to see. And I reckon since game five, I think it was game five where Philly beat the Celtics in that series. And they, the Celtics just look, they look done. They just look done. And I was like, oh, they're done. They're not, they're no chance this year. Like I watched that game and I was like, nah, they're just not firing on all cylinders. Like, some of the other teams, and I feel like since then they got over the line. Obviously against the the 76ers, but since uh, the Miami series has kicked off, they've just looked completely out of it. Yeah, I agree. It just seems like they they don't really have the the depth. You know, you look at outside of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, there's no not really anyone playing well. Where yeah. Miami obviously have Jimmy Butler, but they've got Bam Adebayo, who I'll say it again, he's one of the most underrated players of all time. He's a gun. They've got you know, Struess who's playing, you know, the, I read something the other day that they've got like seven undrafted players. There's Max Struth, there's Gabe Vincent, there's Caleb, or is it Caleb Martin? It's either Caleb or Cody because there's twins, but it's Caleb Martin. You know, Duncan Robinson, who's about to break the record for most three-pointers by a Miami Heat player in, in playoff history. Tyler Harrow's still not playing. He's coming back. Victor Oladipo's obviously out as well, who's been a great role player the last few years. So, um, you know, it's funny because... We would have used that as an excuse for them not winning at the start of the playoffs. Oh, they don't have the experience. Oh, undrafted players. You know, they're, they're not, they, don't, they don't have what it takes as a reason why they're undrafted. Well, whoever was saying that, and I probably was one of them, that's just stupid because they've clearly shown the talent that they have. And, you know, I, I think back to when they, when I sat on this potty and, and obviously that um, survey that the 100 anonymous players got surveyed and said, you know, who's the most overrated player in the NBA? T- Trey Young was number one and then ba- Pascal Siakam. And then number three was Jimmy Butler. And I took huge offense to it because I was like, why? Because he doesn't go out and try and, you know, stuff the stat sheet and, and have triple doubles and whatnot in the regular season. I mean, Joel Embiid did that and then they got bowed out in the second round and was the biggest drop-off yeah. in points per game. So um, they're just they're just unbelievable. I mean... You know, Nuggets will be the favorite. In, I mean, it's funny because the series isn't over yet, but we're talking about the finals anyway. Nuggets will be the favorite, but it just wouldn't surprise me if Miami end up winning. Yeah. I, I, I can't see the Nuggets losing at all. I just feel like when the Nuggets are up and about, they are too hard to beat, man. No one will beat them. But if they yeah. can't get their game going and Miami can play the way they want to play, then, yeah, it might be a good series. But, hey, I, I saw this thing. I don't know if you've seen it too about Jimmy Butler. But have you seen this that talk around going like the talk going around about potentially MJ being a relation to Jimmy Butler? Have you seen that? Uh, so Jimmy Butler's no, Jimmy Butler's dad, like he'd never met his dad, so he got abandoned as a child. I've read this thing. It was like I was it was blowing my mind. And apparently MJ wow. MJ had a son that he never really Hat, like never really met. Oh wow! Well, Unless no this idea. is all this is all false. I I read this <laughs> yeah, no. and I was like, it blew my mind, mate. I was like, wow. So like all these characteristics and stuff are like MJ. So they're all saying like they could well, be well, like. I can a, see the similarities. Yeah. So like, imagine if that was the case. Oh, mate, mate, it would not surprise me. Yeah, he um, he's definitely. They say built from a different cloth. He's definitely one of those guys. He. Which, yeah, it still surprised me that it just didn't work at Philly and didn't work at, you know, Minnesota with Jimmy Butler because he's, you know, the way that he is now, he's he's the player that you want on your team. But 
we, we obviously touched on the Denver Nuggets and um, the, it being a Miami Heat series. I mean, it'd be rude for us not to applaud LeBron James, um, you know, yep. considering I read a report today that he, you know, played through an injury that bad. He needed surgery on it. Um, today was obviously, you know, in on our time now, we'll obviously gets released tomorrow episode, but today they lost game four, got swept by the Nuggets, but LeBron played, I think, every minute. Um, you know, had a 40-point game, you know, still moving as well as ever. I mean, and then, you know, there's talk today that he might um, consider retiring, which I don't think will happen because Bronny, Bronny is obviously going to college next year and I feel like he'll have maybe hopefully one year and then get drafted. So I don't think LeBron's going to retire, but I feel like, um, you know, there's a lot to happen in this offseason, whether, you know, he moves or there's talk about Kyrie Irving going to, to the Lakers next season, but um, you know, you spoke about how good the Nuggets were, but um, we got to always appreciate LeBron James. Yeah, for sure. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe just had twelve months off. To be honest, I feel like he might just, you know, he might have some time off and then come back with Bronny and sign somewhere, and then Bronny gets drafted or wait for Bronny to get drafted to play with him. But uh, he's, he's he's just a freak, LeBron. Like, mm. just gets it done. Well, yeah, you could see, you could see just how watching today, even the last couple of games, you could kind of see how hard it was for him because outside yeah. of LeBron on that roster, there was no, you know, no go-to scorer. I mean, Austin Reeves, yes, but he's not really proven. He hasn't really done it before at a high level, and he and all respect to him, he played well. But AD just wasn't scoring. He was inconsistent. D'Angelo yeah. Russell, I don't know what happened there. He had one good game in the whole series. Where you flip to the Nuggets, and you know, I, I again talk about underrated players. Jamal Murray, this guy is a straight out baller. I mean, he is perfectly complements Nikola Jokic. I mean, you go into detail about you know how they play and they they do the high screen pick and roll, and Jamal Murray ends up getting a matchup on whoever it is, and he just always scores. I mean, he's just playing on a whole new level at the moment, and you know, people speak about the bubble and when, you know, all those years ago, Jamal Murray was breaking out and becoming this superstar. I think he's even better than what he was then. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. He's flying at the moment and no question as to why Denver, uh, uh, yeah, challenging for the for the title. I think they're, um, I definitely think in terms of duos, the best duos, duo I've seen in a long time, like in a long time. I mean, and there's, you know, Top of my head, I'm thinking, whoa, Paul George, uh, Kawhi Leonard didn't really accomplish anything. KD's been with heaps, you know, James Harden, Kyrie, Devin Booker haven't really accomplished anything. LeBron and AD, mm. yeah, great duo. 2020, they were really good. They were unbelievable, but they had a great roster. Um, I feel like, you know, the importance of Murray and, well, definitely Jokic because we know how good he is, but take them away from their side, then it completely changes for him. Um yeah, definitely one of the best duos I've seen in a long time. And it's quite funny the amount of disrespect the the media give the Denver Nuggets and they have given him all year. Yeah, and they're, they're one of the teams that are just never talked about, really. I Yeah, I think it's because they've essentially had the same roster for two to three years. And, you know, they seem to, you know, finish top of the conference and then get bow out in the conference final, whatever it may be. So mm. I feel like everyone was just kind of expecting that. But, yeah, we've just touched on how good they've been. All right, so you're saying you're saying Denver Miami finals? Well, come on, mate. I think 99% <laughs> of the world. You must be silly if you think Boston are going to beat them. Oh, 
I'll just know it'll probably happen now that I've said it because that's just the way I'm going with predicting things <laughs> at the moment. But um, yeah, it should be a Boston Denver series, and this time next week. No, 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 not Denver. Boston Denver, not Boston. Sorry, Denver. sorry, sorry, Miami Denver. Um, this time next week, it's a week. Should be maybe two games in. I'm going to say, oh, hopefully it's one-one. That'd be nice. It'd be nice because before we move on from these teams and talk about the draft. It's been a terrible conference finals. Been shocking for a, from a yeah. fan point of view. Yeah, from a fan point of view. But you're seeing two quality teams go to work, so I don't mind that, that fact. Yeah, I agree with you. But deep down, I know you. Th- I know you're hoping that, or I know you're wishing that there was five, maybe game six in it at least, not two sweeps. You rarely see that. Yeah. But um, did you watch yeah. the see the draft lottery? Yeah, that yeah, I did. And don't ask me to say his last name because, mate, there's no I way that, I mate. can say that. Victor Wembanyama. 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 He's um he's the most talked about prospect I reckon I've ever seen. Like LeBron obviously comes to mind, but yeah, people are saying this guy's like a generational player. Like will go down as one of the greatest of all time. So, uh good luck to him. Um, you know, when he does get drafted by the Spurs, because it's funny when the lottery went down. Like he's that good, he knows he's going pick one. So he's already talking about you know moving to San Antonio and seeing all you know David Robinson and Tim Duncan and Tony Parker, all these ex champions, manager Nobly being able to be mentored by him, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was funny. I, was, I saw a thing prior. I think Houston maybe got called out before the Spurs pick for pick yep. one and pick four, and uh, he was like saying because he didn't want to go to Houston or something. <laughs> I'll tell you who I do feel sorry for in terms of the draft. Um, you know, because we all know how good Victor Victor Wembanyama. I'm going to say it again, how good he's going to be. He's, you know, from looking at him, he's going to be a generational player. I'm not sure, like, how much you followed some of the um, flailing teams this year who were just clearly playing for the draft. But one of uh, one of my great mates and one of your good mates, Casey, he's a mad Detroit Pistons fan and. They have been a really sorry organization for a long time. And they literally played for pick one. Worst record in the NBA, right? Had 17 wins and 67 losses, whatever it equals to 82. And best chances to get pick one came away with pick five. Oh, oh I just feel sorry filthy. for him. Oh, Casey was filthy. You feel sorry for him? I like it. Before... Well, before we move on from NBA and wrap it up, because I feel like we're going for an hour and a half here, but <laughs> what do you think of the lottery? Do you like the lottery or do you reckon the team that comes last should get pick one? Nah, the team that comes last gets pick one for mine. So do I. Oh, so do I. Detroit Pistons and all those diehard fans out there because they're a good organization. I feel sorry for you because you've played for Victor Wembanyama and you've got pick five. <laughs> but, so we, but one more thing, one more thing before we move on from the NBA and, and finish up. Um, Carmelo Anthony retired today who one of the uh, greatest scorers of all time I think he's a top 15 scorer in terms of pure points um, you know he's one of the I think he was the last player drafted from the 2003 super draft with LeBron D. Wade um, Darko Milicic for all those people out there that know Darko Milicic who went pick two um, you know there's a Chris Bosh and then obviously Mello was in it Um yeah, he, he retired today, which is a shame because I wanted him to jump onto a team and, and try and win a ring. Um, but yeah, he's someone that I'll remember growing up because falling in love with the game of basketball, he was well and truly 
um, you know, in the thick of it as as one of the superstars of the competition. So he's retired today. So what a champion of the uh, of the NBA and um, well done on a Hall of Fame career, Carmelo. Well done, Mello. Uh, and anything else, mate? Before we move on, um, ah, it's been a um, yeah, give us give us a prediction. Show. Give us a prediction for the final. Oh. So or finals. Oh, mate, you don't want to hear mine because it'll be wrong. Um, Denver will play Miami, obviously. Yeah. And I'm just riding the coattails of Jimmy Butler and Miami Heat and the momentum they've got. And I reckon they'll get swept 4 0. Nah, I reckon Miami will win. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon it'll be. Oh, well, I'm going Miami and I'm just hoping for a seven. So they'll win game seven in Denver because it'll be in Denver. Oh. So. Yep, I'm going to say Miami Heat. What do you reckon? Denver 4-1. What a shame that'll be. I just wanted to be a big series, but no, it'd be, it'd be good to talk about next week. Yep, looking forward to it, mate. Uh, before we move on, just got a, another um, thing for our fans out there. Obviously, the, we talked about it last week, but 1,000 five-star ratings on Spotify and Apple, and Adzi and I uh, are going to organize a huge signed jersey giveaway. So make sure you... Uh, head to Spotify and Apple, type in Oz American Aces, rate our show, ideally five-star, as we touched on. And when we see it's at 1,000, we're going to launch our next giveaway. So uh, get around your friends or people you might know that want to listen to the podcast or listen to the podcast already and get us to that 5,000, uh, 1,000 mark. I think we're currently on 500, so we're about halfway. So looking forward to getting that done. And yeah, thanks to all our fans for uh, supporting us. Obviously, we talk about it every week, but thank you for all your support. Yeah, well, we obviously love the one thing that we love about this is giving away stuff. So we're desperate. Please just like and rate our show. And as Dunks has said, you know, I can't see why we wouldn't be a five star show. We love everyone and we're hoping <laughs> everyone loves listening to us talk rubbish, especially, especially when we think we know or when I know the NBA and. And Josh is just, you know, we all want to see him kick a goal. So make sure you, um, you know, keep rating us and get us to that thousand mark because we want to give away a, a signed jersey for for one of our um, loyal fans out there. So keep listening and rating. And it may not just be us signing it either. It might be a, mm. a team jersey. So get on there and and uh, rate us highly and, yeah, look forward to it all. But thanks, Adzi. It's been another good episode, mate. It's, uh, yeah, we're, we're loving it as you touched on and, I look forward to obviously doing it again next week. But thanks again to all our listeners. As always, subscribe. Uh, join us on on our journey as we uh, yeah venture through the the next sort of half of the season. So thanks again for all your support. And we look forward to seeing you all, all in, and uh, talking to you all next week. Cheers, mate.